their side is Team Utah Valor. They've also got a very interesting storyline, including Marquise Marshall. Didn't play professionally last year, but a former two-time all-conference selection at Albertian University. It's first season in Team 18, but we're expecting big things, Richie. But he's leading the charge, and he's got this team playing for diabetes and for military veterans. So both these teams kind of playing for some military veterans. He played professionally in Germany last year, 6'6 swing man, about 200 pounds. Crusaders holding a three-point lead. Miller for three. No. Marquise Marshall going up top and throwing it back down. What's up, everybody? Not my house is in the house. This is your host, Eric, and uh, co-host Zach is always right next to me. But we're going to do something a little different today. And since we're doing something different with two guests today, first time we've done this on the show, I'm going to let Zach take the reins and introduce the show today. Zach, let him know what's going on. All right, you're giving me the keys. I love it. But uh, basically, we have two guests on today, two very special guests, both part of the Utah Valor, the TBT, and we're really excited to have them. We're going to have uh, Marquise Marshall, who is actually the son of Daniel Marshall, who's a member of the Utah Valor. And then coming up right after Marquise, we're going to have Chris Jones, who's the captain of Utah Valor, who's had a really good career playing in the minor leagues in the U.S. and also playing overseas in Mexico and Australia. So we get to hear two stories today. So we're going to start off with Marquise and head into Chris Jones. And I'm really looking forward to it today. Absolutely. I hope you guys enjoy this special doubleheader episode. So we're going to start off with Marquise Marshall. Marquise, how you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show today. We're uh, really excited to talk about TBT with you guys, but we'd like to get our listeners to know our guests better first. So Marquise, where are you from and what's it like growing up there? Um, I'm from Reading, Pennsylvania. It's a small city, about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Philadelphia. Um, it's a small basketball city, really. So basketball is heavy here. Like we we go watch our football, but everyone is is basketball. Basketball games are packed. I know I played. Um, I played in sold, sold out arenas of 9,000 here. So it's just a small little basketball basketball city. That's amazing. I was going to ask you, we always ask about like, what's, what was your introduction to sports? Because I know a lot of athletes get to play a lot of different sports growing up, and then they kind of find that one they gravitate towards. And I was going to say baseball because of the Phillies. I know the Phillies are huge, you know, back in Philadelphia. But was basketball really your first sport that you were introduced to when you were a little guy? Um, yeah, because of, because of my dad. So um, basketball was immediately uh, the, the first choice. I told people I would have probably played a handful of other winter sports. Like I grew up on a block with a bunch of kids that played hockey and I learned how to play hockey, but it's during the winter. So never had a chance to really try it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really curious who some of your idols were growing up with the basketball, because obviously your dad is Danielle Marshall, but was it all, was it him? Was he your idol or is there somebody else that you really tried to emulate your game after? Um, I wouldn't really call him my idol. Did I look up to him um, on the court? Yes. And I, I tried to, you know, listen to anything he, he had to say, but um, he was dad at the end of the day. So my idols were just like anyone else. I was a big Iverson fan uh, back in the day. Um, loved everything Allen Iverson. Tried to imitate his crossover, everything like that. But then it was when LeBron, you know, first came in the league and started developing himself. Um, I remember my mom was like, watch, watch that dude right there. Like, you know, watch him and, and follow him and, um, you know, imitate him. She seen that he was a good dude off the court and, you know, really good. So I listened and that was who to this day, I still, 
you know, follow. That's still my, my guy to watch. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you were just telling us about um, some of the crowds that you got to play in, but what, what was the competition level that you played up against in, in high school? And did you go up against any familiar names from your area? Um, definitely. Um, I mean, familiar to me would be different, like around here, you know, if you're, if you did well in basketball, you're a familiar name. Um, as far as guys I played that, that may be big names. I played with AAU with, uh, Emil Jefferson, um, a lot in Philly. Um, I was, I played AAU in Chester. So I was around guys like, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Um, I think I seen, um, can't think of his name right now he played for the magic I can't think of his name right now but he, he went to Chester High School so I seen those guys play um when I was young um so I, I was around basketball my mom made sure that you know I was around different competition um the competition here personally is is really really good um guys get at it they go at each other and you never really stop playing basketball here so you see guys that you know weren't really good when they were younger now they're you know really hard to to beat they have a jump shot they can move they can dunk um and then you also have vice versa you have guys that are really good back in the day that you know shied away from basketball um but the competition is good and you know me being who I am you know people try to come at me a little bit more so um I loved it um I love the competition and I, I I love to compete so talking about AAU um what was your experience like with AAU did you uh do you think it was a positive experience did you get a lot out of it um, we always get like mixed feelings from guests about AU, so we're curious on your take. Um, I love it. Um, I think it it gets you around different play styles, different players, different coaches, and um, again, you know, you never know what coach you're going to run to or what type of player you're going to run into. So I think that different, you know, playing on multiple teams and and traveling, it's 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 a whole experience within itself. Um, I miss you know hotel rooms and 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 car rides, jamming out to music. I still go back, and if I hear a song from from one of those times, I think um, back when I was. 10 or 11 one of my teammates used to love uh sunshine by little flip and every time i hear that song i just think about the car ride i think we were in florida and he just kept on playing it over and over and over again just on repeat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome though music's powerful like that man it always you, you always have memories to music which is i think it's the coolest thing about music tell us about the recruiting process for you um was there any close number twos or any good recruiting trips that you can share with us in terms of what you were getting letter wise and stuff like that? Um, I actually went on one trip <laughs> and, that, and that one trip was Towson. And um, I see, and I told my mom, I was like, I see myself here as a regular student, which I did enjoy my time at, at Towson as a regular student. Um, me, it was more finding myself, you know, basketball wise. Um, that was the first time it went from just fun to starting to become like a job, if you want to say. So I had to really find myself and mentally had my up and downs um, when it came to, when it came to that. Yeah. And you and me actually have a lot in common. Cause like you, I bounced around quite a few schools throughout my college career. And I'm just curious if that was hard for you to really find yourself as a player going program to program and system to system. Cause for me, it's kind of a nightmare as far as like transferring credits and kind of learning new systems. But I think you're the first guy that I've ever talked to that's played D1, D2 and D3. So is that hard to adjust to, or did hoops just come pretty natural? No, it actually gave me a better appreciation for each level. Um, like there's guys that I played in D3 and I'm like, why are you, why are you down here? And then there's guys I played, you know, D1 or watch D1. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I've seen guys at a lower level that, that probably deserve that spot more. Um, but 
I, I think it just gave me a better, a better appreciation for the game. It wasn't really hard um, transitioning. I went to three different high schools, if you want to get technical, because I, I left public school to go to private school. And then that school shut down and merged with um, the other private school in the area. So um, I was used to it. Um, as far as um, picking schools, that was probably the hardest thing. Um, you know, leaving an experience that I didn't really like and trying to find a new one. Uh, actually, when I left D2, I wasn't going to play D3. I was just going to come home, focus on my degree. Um, and then Coach Miller, he called me and we had like an hour long talk and just was on the phone. He was asking me if this is really what I want to do. And, you know, tears were flowing, everything. And I was like, no, I don't. But I just don't know what to do everywhere I go. It just seems like it's not in the cards for me. Yeah, and for our listeners, can you tell us what those two schools were at Division Two and Division Three? Oh, Division Two, I played at East Stroudsburg University, um, and Division Three, Alvernia University. Awesome. And uh, what was the biggest difference for you at each division? And maybe not even necessarily the talent, because I know that when I went like Division One, we got like really cool gear at the D ones, and then you know when you go to the junior college or the Division Two, you don't really get kind of the things that the division one can offer so what for you what was the biggest difference was it the talent level was it the speed of the game or was it just what the division one can offer compared to the d2s and the d3s uh the biggest thing for me was learning new positions uh when i was d1 i was more of a guard uh d2 i was a wing and kind of pushing that that four forward spot um, the coach was trying to get me to play, but I just, I wasn't used to it. And it was a whole new thing to me. But by the time I got to Alvernia, I played the stretch big. I was the five on the team. So I think the the hardest thing was just transitioning positions. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious because we have Patrick Ewan Jr. on and he said his dad really didn't work with him on basketball much. Um, was that the same for you or was your dad a big part of your development? And did you take advantage of that, having some access to some of your dad's teammates to learn from too? Um, so you said Patrick Ewan Jr. Yeah. Well, he that did, yeah. I did actually meet him uh, at Georgetown camp. I used to go to Georgetown camp all the time. So um, I wouldn't say hands on. We never like really just got in a gym and, you know, he worked out with me. But, you know, he did make sure I was going to camps during the summer um, and things like that to, to help my development. It was actually my mom who had me on the court. Um, working on things, you know, going back to LeBron, her big thing was I wasn't the strongest guy. So going through the lane with the ball, it was, you know, I got it uh, swiped and things like that. So she looked at, you know, LeBron and studied the game and she was like, you know, tuck the ball into your arm like he does and, you know, hold on to it. So it was really my mom that, that got me on the court, um, mostly because of distance. So my mom's the same way. She never really played basketball, but she would watch the game and then she'd always like tell me things and I'm all of a sudden learning basketball from my mom. It's pretty crazy how that worked. But um, I'm curious because when your college days are over, um, I'm curious how it works. Like when you go to play overseas, do you hire an agent and do camps or combines or do they scout you? I mean, or is it more of them reaching out to you or is it more of you reaching out to them? I mean, for our listeners, I'm sure they're really curious kind of how that process works. Um, with me, it, it, it might be different. Like I, I, I got an agent and he sent me out to, to Vegas and I was out in Vegas for, uh, summer 2017. Um, again, it was, a, it was the agency that my dad had, um, and things like that. So, you know, he did, he did help me with that, but a lot of things there didn't really go through. 
um, I went to a bunch of international camps out there to get to get looked at. There's like uh, they have a bunch of camps out there. I know like the big thing is summer league, but like literally right next door from summer league, I was playing in a camp trying to get scouted. Um, and I, while I was out there, I think my agent told me, you know, you might just want to go home. We had our pro day. Nobody was really looking at me and I was down in the dumps. I literally packed up my car and left like the next day. I was, I was mad. I didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden I got a call from one of the guys from one of those camps. And, you know, he wanted me to go overseas and play for one of those like American, uh, those American teams that goes uh, and plays international teams and, to see if you can get looked and you know he thought highly of me and that's when my confidence really started to come back but it was a, a long just a long summer uh just trying to uh, trying to get someone to look at me and you know I'm in the gym with people with NBA players that are you know there that are you know still in the NBA um what's his name Jonathan Isaac was there um yeah. I can't think of other Amir Johnson um like there, there were so many big names there and um, there's actually a guy named uh, Dominic Porter. Um, I don't I don't know who he plays for. I know he got drafted by the Cavs and played uh, D League for them for a little bit, but he really kept my head straight and kept me going uh, constantly. He was saying it's okay, you'll get better. Because when I first got there, I was getting destroyed. Uh, three seconds in the in the lane, all that stuff. Because I just I had no idea what what I was doing. But you know, he kept me going. I grinded. I made sure I got like 500 shots up every day. I was in the gym. Sometimes they had to tell me to leave. Um, and I, I just, I worked my ass off. It, it was a very grueling mental summer. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome that you had that kind of guidance. I mean, being around pros, I mean, that, I mean, that gives you a really big advantage going into playing professional ball. And uh, where's the first country that you went to, to go play? Uh, um, we actually flew into uh, um, Amsterdam. And then from there we drove, um, you know, through throughout Germany um, and played all the Germany teams. So that's really the only country I was in was Germany. Um, and then while we were over there, I happened to get a call to get picked up by a team. So we were literally driving on our way to a game to play a team. And coach was like, no, I got to take you to the train station. A team just called and once you have practice tonight. So it's crazy. <laughs> Um, you know, we for from all the guests that we've had on the show, they always have a crazy story about playing overseas, whether it's the fans or just living in the in a different country itself. So, I mean, what's the craziest experience that you have from playing overseas that you can share? Um, well, I was only over there for I want to say about a month or a month or so. Um, I got homesick, and as soon as I got away from the American team, it was like like wow, like your phone doesn't work unless you have Wi-Fi. So I got extremely homesick. Um, so I wasn't there that long. But um, my my crazy story would either have to be that I seen a rat that was probably the size of a cat run out of a dumpster. And I was like, oh, like, oh, I, I seen that cat. It startled me a little bit. And my teammate was like, no, that's a rat. And I was like, oh, boy, we all have, <laughs> we all have those in Reading. And then um, I think it was my, my first my first game there. Um, we just went in, we just won in, in overtime. Um, and you know, we're pooped. We're looking for water because they drink sparkling water over there and we, we don't want nothing to do with that. So we're waiting for them to bring water and the other team pulls out a cooler and I just look over and they're handing each other beers. And I'm like, how do you want a beer right now? Like we just played a overtime game and they're over there celebrating, but I guess that that's just Germany. How weird was it? Cause I don't think we've had anybody on the show yet that played for like an American team. 
So how how weird was it to play for the American team and then play for an overseas team where I'm assuming when you were playing for the overseas team, was it the two Americans per team? Mm -hmm. They still have that role, right? How weird was it like to adjust between the two teams? Because uh, like the language barrier, things like that. I mean, what was, you know, it, it must have been hard to focus on your game when it's almost like you got flip-flopped when you were over there, right? Playing with the American guys, everybody speaking the same language, then you go to the other team, language barrier, translator. Talk to, uh, especially our younger listeners, um, talk to them about that experience. Um, playing with the American team, it's different than playing over here with a team. Like when you play over here with a team, like you're, you're a team, but everyone's kind of, you know, moving on. I feel like our team, even though we all were trying to get picked up and all trying to get seen, it was like America versus everybody. And we all were looking out for each other. We all wanted the other person to play. And to be honest, when it was all said and done, we all wished we were going to play a season together. Um, and I developed a bond with those guys. Um, I try to reach out um, to some of them every once in a while. Probably Now that you brought it up, probably reach out to them. <laughs> but um, yeah, we developed a bond over there. And, and as we you know, got to know each other, the game started getting better and better and better. So to switch over to a team where, like you said, there's a language barrier and there's only one other American. And I think after that, like two other people that really spoke English, um, it was just like um, no protection, you know, like everybody wants to feel protected. And when you're somewhere you don't know in a foreign land with nobody that really has your back and your phone doesn't work, <laughs> you're just sitting there like, oh, I, I don't know if this, if this is for me. And I, I think it's just something that people need to experience. Um, and if I could give advice for somebody that gets there, just push through it. I, I, if, I, if, I, if I could go back, I'd probably push through it. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, adversity is definitely tough, but overcoming adversity is... Definitely what makes us who we are for sure. I want to know how you got involved with the TBT. Um, I, I came across it one day um, before I played in 2018 with Utah Valor. And I was like, oh, this would be cool. And I, I but I, I, I didn't really think that I would make a team or anyone would pick me up. I just threw my name in there. And then um, Brian, uh, the GM, GM, he contacted me and, you know, was like, it'd be a pleasure to have you on the team. And I, I jumped at the shot. Um, and I think that's why I'm so loyal to Utah Valor because it was like that one team that, you know, really wanted me and, and Brian wanted me and, and Chris, you know, he, he really fed in after the game, they came up to me, even though we lost by a lot, they came up to me and they respected my game and we developed a friendship and a bond ever since then, even though we haven't played since then. Yeah, and uh, can you tell us about Brian Tracy really quick? Because I've heard nothing but great things about him as a GM and just how much he cares for his players. So what's your experience like with Brian in the team so far? He's such a good guy. Like, I, he, he's such a good guy. He's, he's, oh, he's so animated and he's so excited to get us in. I've never seen somebody just so excited to be part of, part of the team and, and want to be part of something. Um, every time we talk to him, nothing but good things. I think he's like one of the few people I've known for longer than a year that I haven't argued with. Like, he's just a good guy. Whenever, whenever I'm in the chat, um, you know, we're talking the, the memes that we've been posting that everybody says is funny. Like, that, that's mostly him. He got me involved in it, but that's mostly him. And, you know, he's a funny guy. He's a good guy. And, you know, he cares about the people around him. For the, for the listeners, one of the cool things that we like about the TBT is, is what the causes you guys play for. Um, can you tell the listeners what causes you guys are playing for? 
Um, I know we play for military vets, first responders. Um, we also play for diabetes. Um, and I think there's one new one that we added this year. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, I can't think of it. They, I just heard Brian Tracy talk about it uh, the other day, but I think there's a new one we put on today, but I know that our main two are military vets, first responders and diabetes. That's awesome. And uh, I'm really curious what your training camps are like, because it sounds like there isn't a whole lot of time for you guys to really practice together before the TBT, you know, everybody's a team. So, I mean, for you, what's, what's the training camps like? Well, that's what we're talking about. Cause in 2018, we kind of just went out there and played. We really didn't meet each other until the day of the game. Um, yeah. So this time we really want to build some type of chemistry. We really, you know, we really want to go in here ready, regardless if we practice for a month, a week, or at least a practice before, <laughs> before the game. So I know uh, we actually were talking about today, maybe going out um, a couple of days early. Um, it's kind of hard to meet up because we're in different areas. Uh, you know, they're out in, in Utah. Um, you have me and like two other players from around, from around my area. Um, so it's really hard to just meet up. I know there was a tournament that happened this weekend in like Georgia that we were going to go to. We just couldn't get everybody to go um, in short notice. Um, so we're, we're trying to figure that out. Um, and if, if we do that, I'm trying to find a coach that's going to push us in practice. Um, that's going to get plays in. That's going to uh, try and build that chemistry. I think we have the talent. We just need to build the chemistry. Yeah. You can always get pops out there for sure. I've, I've been trying. <laughs> I've been trying. Hopefully he sees this and he's like, all right, I'll do it. I've been trying to give him the coach. Yeah, I, I, I would love to see that. And, you know, speaking of pops, I have to ask about uh, Boss Kloss, man. Uh, hands down, one of my favorite players ever. Um, mm -hmm. So ahead of his time for being a big man back then who could really put on the floor. And I don't think guys understand how talented he truly was. I have so much respect for him, and especially since he's still playing at age 45. I mean, he played against your dad. So what can he offer to you guys at age 45? Like, What have you seen so far that you know that he's going to bring to your team? Um, I think the mental side of the game is big. When talking to him, he seemed like a big team player that has a one hell of an IQ. <laughs> um, he, he, like when we, we talked for a, maybe a good like hour or so after a meeting that we had, and it was just nothing about picking apart, you know, basketball and, oh, our chemistry and, oh, we should do this. And I, I just can't wait to get on the floor with him. He seems like a good guy. He seems like he knows the game. He seems like he wants to win. Um, and he seems like he's about the team. And that's what we looked for mostly this year. We looked for people that were about the team. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, so far, it sounds like you haven't spent a whole lot of time around him. But do you have a good Keith Claus story maybe that you can share with the listeners yet? I don't have any. The only thing I know is that when I first looked him up, I found this video and it was like him fighting or something. I'm like, oh boy, we got that guy. And I, I, was, I was thinking, so I'm like, I just hope we don't have a 2018 again where everybody just shows up and we're like a hot mess on the court. And then I sat down and talked to him and it was like a complete different guy. Watched some highlights of him playing overseas when I put together a little highlight tape for the page. And I was like, this guy, he can hoop, he can, he can hit the three, you know, he's, he's big. So he can, you know, hook it right over people. Um, but he also, he also is mobile. He can get up and down the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard he's a really funny guy, very interesting. So I'm sure you're going to love playing with him and everybody I talked to says he's a great teammate. And uh, 
I'm sure you feel really confident going into the TBT. What do you think is your team's biggest strength or what do you feel separates you from other teams that makes you guys a confident team? Because, I mean, it looks like you got the twin towers with uh, Njai and Klaus. I mean, what do you think is your biggest strength as a team? We're trying to come in TBT as like that underdog team because they, they got real heavy with um, the alumni teams. And we're trying to be that underdog team that, you know, people that may not ha be fans of the big teams or went to a big school can, you know, kind of pull with and, and join together and win, lose or draw. We are going to go hard. We're going to be that team diving on the floor, going for loose balls. We're trying to bring that aspect into basketball to get people excited. And I think that's our biggest strength is that we seem like a bunch of guys that's just never going to quit. We've been on the losing end of a a big losing end of a game. So we're not even worried about that this time. Now it's just go out, work hard, and whatever happens, happens. A lot of block shots, I'm thinking. I remember I remember watching Keith play, and, man, that guy could block shots. I mean, for the amount of minutes he got in the NBA, the shots he was blocking was just unbelievable. We had um, Dr. Nick Elam on, and I got to ask you this. How did you enjoy playing with the Elam ending compared to a regular game clock? Um, Playing with that, it went so quick it was like wait hold on like we're <laughs> and it like it went from a a 10 a, like a 10 minute quarter game to how I'm used to playing to now we're playing pickup and I'm like all right how, how are we going to come back because normally you would you know draw out the game with fouls or you know you you'd, you'd work the clock and we're down by so much and I'm just like if they hit two threes like we're basically done <laughs> and that's exactly what they did they came down hit threes and I was like well I don't know what to do there's like the the time is gone they just need to hit another bucket so I enjoyed it I like it because it stops all the timeouts and all the stuff the fans don't like to watch at the end of the day it is a fan sport you know so even though us as players may not like it I think it's great for the sport and I think it, it brings that that energy especially games ending on a on a made shot it's, it's just like pickup when someone hits the three to win you're gonna get excited you're gonna rush the court and that brings energy and excitement to the event i think that's why we like it too and i think the hard thing too probably for you guys is anytime you introduce a new rule that's pretty dr dramatic like that it's got to be a hard adjustment i would assume you know what i mean like you know when they added the three-point line into the nba it's like that had to have been a weird adjustment you know it's just there's so much so much different stuff you know with that with that rule that I think makes it exciting. I think maybe in a couple more years, you guys will probably be a lot more used to it. I think, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so. I hope they bring the eliminating some places. I hope they bring a shot clock to Pennsylvania high school basketball, because I'm not a fan of holding the ball at all. Um, I've been on, I've been on the, on the bad end of that. So <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan. I agree with you, man. It's, it's, it just, it slows that game down so much. And then it's, it's almost like you're not playing basketball anymore. Um, is there anything else that you, you got, you guys want our listeners to know about, about your team and this year's TBT? Um, I don't want to say anything without, without Brian's permission, but um, me, me personally, I, I, if, people are out there and they're, you know, listening to, you know, maybe, you know, support the team or, or hop in. Um, we are not going to, to, to disappoint. Um, you know, if, if you're expecting us to come out and, and blow everyone out the water, I don't, I, I'm not expecting that. I want, you know, good, you know, hard fought 
games I want to win. And and if we do, you know, have a, a year like sideline cancer did last year where they make it to the end, I want to sit there and be like, yeah, we worked for this and we did it and we earned it. I, I don't, I don't want nothing easy. And I think that's everyone on our team. We don't want nothing easy and we're not going to take nothing easy. We're going to go out there. We're going to play and we're going to work and we all have something to prove. Awesome. Yeah. And that competition is just going to only be great for basketball in general, in my opinion. We're going to do a quick lightning round with you. Don't mind. Zach's going to ask the questions. And uh, Zach, you ready to go? Absolutely. Uh, my first question for you is who's your toughest cover as a player? Um, toughest person to guard. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, yeah. Lightning round's not easy, man. It <laughs> <laughs> um, could be high school too. It doesn't have to be, it could be any, any time you played. Anytime I played, um, yeah. it actually have to be pickup. If I if I had to say it'd be it'd be pickup. It's a local guy, um, and I'm gonna give him props because he's he's another person that you know helped me elevate my game. Um, his name is Jordan Mayweather. Um, this he's quick with the ball. He's smart with the ball. He's athletic and jump out the gym. And he's one of those guys, like I said, back in high school, really didn't get no time. And then over the years, just wow. Like he, if in my opinion, could be somewhere overseas if he wanted to. But that guy, every time I guard him, I'm like, Shh, I got to guard him, man. He's, he's quick. He's low. He's going to jump. He's going to rebound. He's going to do the little things. And I think any player like that is just hard to guard. Yeah, you might need to tell Brian about him. Get him on the squad for next year. <laughs> I'll try. I've been I've been slowly trying to get some guys here on the squad. That's 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 my goal to try and get some more people here to get looked at. For sure. Uh, who's had the biggest impact on your career so far? Um, biggest impact. Biggest impact. Besides besides LeBron, um, I'd have to go with my mom. My mom was the one who was driving me places. I know like Chester's about an hour, hour and a half away from here. And we were going up there two, three times a week for basketball practice up there every weekend for tournaments. And, you know, my mom really, really dedicated herself to help me f fulfill a dream. So if I didn't give her a shout out right now, that that would just be the big, the biggest mistake I could do on here. I feel you. I always have to shout out my mom too. I totally understand, man. Uh, any weird superstitions that you or a teammate have that come to mind? Um, I don't really have any weird superstitions. And like the one that I, I really go by is like weird because I wore number one, I wore number three. So like I wear odd numbers on the court. But um, I think it goes back again to growing up here. Um, one of the players I looked up to, um, his name was uh, Trinity Burdine. And I remember... Uh, he used to always do things in evens. Like if you gave him some Skittles, he'd be like, no, 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 I need one more because it's an odd number. Like I, I remember that specifically and it just kind of stuck with me and, and hung with me. So that's kind of just my superstition. Things need to be even. If an ankle brace is on my left ankle, it needs to be on my right. If, <laughs> like everything needs to be even. Love it. Uh, for our listeners, if you had to describe your game, what player do you think that you play most like in today's NBA? If you had to describe your game. Um. That's a hard one. <laughs> That's a hard one. Because um, I, I got, I got growing up, I got a lot of different people. There's people that said I played like Tayshawn Prince. Um, I had a coach say I played like Rip Hamilton before. Um, but me personally, even though I follow LeBron so much, I'd say I'm probably more of a KD style with the length um, and being able to hit the shot outside, being able to take you off the dribble. Um, 
but I'm just not seven foot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, not many kids get to be around the NBA lifestyle when they're kids. So when your dad was in the NBA, is there one memory that will always stick out to you when you were a kid being at games or practice locker rooms, or maybe just around other, other guys at team get togethers that is either inspiring, motivating, or just really funny that you can share that really stands out to you? Um, it would be the 07 finals run with the Cavs. Um, I was there all the time. And I remember when they lost, I was sitting there and I was, I was like, you know what? We're going to be back. Cause I always was like, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to come here. And I'm going to play with LeBron. I'm going to be LeBron sidekick. And we're going to come back here and we're going to win a championship. And you know, that, that was always in my mind as a kid. I was like, you know what? We're going to be back here. Like, even though y'all lost LeBron, I got you. Give me a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, my final one to you is what's your favorite basketball memory? If you had to pick just one. Um, Actually, my favorite basketball memory um, is more like a, a stat, um, you know, because in high school, you know, it's big to score a thousand points. Um, and that's that's kind of what everybody's goal is. If you're if you're a scorer, you want to go to the next level. Um, and I tell people all the time that I'm more proud of myself for scoring 970 points in college than I am scoring over a thousand in high school because of everything I had to overcome to do that and everything that I had to mentally get better at to do that. I like that. That's a great answer. Um, I really appreciate you on the show today. You gave us a lot of good stuff. Um, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be really excited, you know, listening to this episode. Um, if they already are listening to the episode, it sounds fun, kind of funny to say. Um, is there anything that you guys want to add or promote before we let you go? Um, me personally, no. If, if I could say anything, go follow me on Instagram, uh, mo.marsh. Um, I'll probably come up with something soon. I know I, I used to have my own podcast. Um, just time got got too much. I, I want to get back to that. And uh, I used to stream because I, I like to game in my free time. I, I was a loner, so <laughs> I, like, I like to game in my free time. So maybe I'll get back to that. But if anyone wants to, you know, hear more about me, you know, follow me at mo.marsh. I'm, I'm friendly. I know I don't come off as that first, but I, I am. <laughs> oh, no, man, you've been awesome. Hey, real quick, what, uh, what games do you like to play? Oh, man, I like I like Rocket League and Fortnite right now. I, I'm not like when I get in the game, I don't want to play basketball. I don't want to play sports. I do enough of that on my own. And I tell people all the time, my 2K player can't do what I do. So I get mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hate my 2K player, too, man. It plays nothing like me. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, he, he, can't, he always can't do nothing either. He can't dribble or he can't shoot or he can't drive. And I'm like, well, I kind of consider myself a little over, like all around. So, yeah. Just, or it's like, like, I would never miss that. Like, that's my spot. I would never miss that. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's, uh, what's your gamer tag for any of our listeners out there that like to play Fortnite? Oh, man. I think it, I think it's Mo, Mo Marsh underscore one. I want to say I can, I can actually look it up. <laughs> i'm that gamer i'm the one that has it all on his phone because yeah, i know some challengers after today well i know man i mean zach you teach you know you, you you coach i'm sure you got a ton of your players that you're yelling at for playing too much fortnite instead of practice with foul shots right oh yeah you're gonna have a bunch of 14 year olds challenging you soon <laughs> <laughs> no they're, they're the ones that are the, are the headache on the video game. they got time <laughs> and they work at it. oh That's man but, but no, it is Mo Marsh uh, underscore, just no one. So just Mo Marsh underscore. Awesome.
You got that there, listeners. Hey, um, Zach, anything you want to add before we let Marquise out of here? Yeah, I just want to say thanks, man. I really appreciate your time today. I really uh, loved learning more about you and, uh, you know, the team. And just best of luck to you, Utah Valor, and the TBT and everything moving forward, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I, I love being on. Awesome. <laughs> Stay safe. Thanks for being on. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Hope you have a good day. <laughs> Thank you. Well, take care. What a great interview that was. I always love talking to players whose dads played professional ball. So really cool to get an insight on that and and really to see with the, the, the amount of guys that we've had whose dads have played professional ball. It's really funny how the, their dads weren't really involved too much in terms of coaching them up, you know, which I always thought you, you would think personally that your dad would be totally involved with that. But it, it makes more sense when we hear guys like Marshall talk about that. Yeah, and I think it's really cool that um, his dad just kind of allowed him to find his own love in basketball. And, you know, if you if you watch his game at all, he's very versatile, very athletic. He can really shoot the three. I mean, he can do a lot of things on the basketball court. And it's going to be really exciting to watch him in TBT. And I just really enjoyed talking to him today. Just very well-spoken, very mature. And uh, I, I want to see how many of my 14-year-olds take him up on that gamer tag action. I want to see if anybody challenges him to any Fortnite. So that'll be interesting. Oh, God, Fortnite. I, I, yeah, that was great. I'll die laughing if you have a bunch of your students playing him on Fortnite. And he, he's probably going to text you back and go, dude, what did you do to me? Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's exactly what's gonna happen. You gotta tell you gotta tell you gotta tell your kids to be respectful when they play Marshall. Um, right. So so now we're gonna we're gonna flip the gears. We're gonna give you the Chris Jones interview. I'm really excited about this one. You want to talk a little about this before we start it off? Yeah, I just think it's a really inspiring story. Um, I think all of our listeners are gonna really enjoy it. All the adversity that he overcame to really uh, continue to follow his dream, and I think it's honestly just a great story of really not take no for an answer. And even when odds are against you to keep pushing through and making your dream happen, I think it's really inspiring. And uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. So, I mean, we do have Chris Jones waiting in the, uh, in the meeting room now. So he's in the house. So, I mean, I'm ready when you are. I'm ready. Let's get it going. What's up, everybody? Not My House is in the house. This is your host, Eric, and right next to me, as always, is my co-host, Zach. Zach, what's going on this morning, my friend? I'm excited. I love I love the TVT, and I'm really excited for our guest today. We've kind of been messaging back and forth, and the story is very inspiring, so I can't wait to learn more about it. Oh, absolutely. We have a pro basketball player who played in Australia, Mexico, and the United States. He's the captain of the uh, Utah Valor of the TVT. We're very excited to have him, Mr. Chris Jones. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm. I feel honored and grateful to just have this opportunity and platform to, to share my story and maybe a few things I've learned. And I, I saw your list of guests you've had on. And I was like, this is awesome. We appreciate it, man. We love talking to to Hoopers and and just getting stories. And speaking of stories, um, before we get really started, we always like to know where our guests grew up and what it was like growing up there. So where'd you grow up? Great question. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm probably not like your typical guest, uh, uh, pro basketball player and where they're from. So I, I grew up in Utah. Uh, I'm from Utah County. I was born in Provo and lived in Orem. And 
That place is affectionately known as Happy Valley or the bubble. High LDS population, you, you know, people think nothing bad ever happens there. Not a lot of diversity, especially growing up. The first player that I played with or played against who was not of my skin color was a freshman in high school. Wow. Wow. So people joke all the time, but they kind of say, you know, well, okay. So there's, there is a large Hispanic and Polynesian population. So I did play with a lot of those kids, but I didn't have the experiences that I've had since college. Like it's been incredible and totally different, but just growing up LDS where everyone is, has a very similar belief system, does similar things. It, it has been an incredible journey to meet the people that I've, I've met and to just experience different cultures, different belief systems, and finding out how you can become friends with someone who grow up so different from you. Their reality is completely different from your reality. But the one common thing that brings everyone together is winning, winning basketball games. And I had two parents. I had four grandparents. They all raised me. I mean, it was just like big into family. I have a brother, two sisters uh, who are adopted from India. And I mean, that's, that's where it started. I, I, I know that I'm different because <laughs> that from your typical guest, you know, and typical pro players, just because most people in, in the circles that I'm from don't follow the path that I take. I, I've taken the path more of like a traditional, you know, basketball player. Like you do this, you do this, you do this, instead of the more LDS route where, you know, you go to college, you graduate, and then you, maybe you, you start having kids and family right away. And you, you know, it's like once college is over, you hurry. And like, if you're not going to the NBA, it's like, then you hurry up and start making as much money as you can to provide for a bunch of kids. <laughs> and a wife and so they just went a different way just because I love basketball and like that's that's what I that's what I do or that and that's what I've always done was that the first sport you played when you were younger was it basketball or did you play baseball first so what was your introduction to sports great question the the earliest thing I can remember is throwing a little football like a little mini football football was my favorite at the beginning just because at there's, there's, you know, there's home video of me throwing a football with my dad and my mom at like four. And I could, they would say I could throw it a perfect spiral, but you know, it was just like a little mini football, but, and I was very accurate. And, and that was my first love was football, but that was before anyone was, you know, tackling me. Um, <laughs> I, I like to play, throw the football. After that, uh, baseball and basketball were my two sports, but from an early age, and I'm sure we'll get up into that pretty quick, it was it was basketball, and then baseball was a hobby. It was your second sport that you did to, to just play a different sport with other kids. And then football was you just play tackle football in the neighborhood because I'm not going to get hurt for basketball and football. And when you get older and play with me, <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't want to get hurt for, for basketball. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I was a basketball player, and I always tied into my season, so I didn't want to play either to get hurt. But I want to know who some of your idols were as a kid. Like, who were some of the guys that you looked at and really tried to emulate your game after? It's like, who was that guy that you really tried to study? Well, 
Okay, so my first love of basketball and the first player I ever knew and recognized from seven years old was Magic Johnson. Like, and that was, so my, my dad, when I was seven years old, I remember we went to a preseason NBA game. That's when, you know, security wasn't a big deal. And they played at, B, at the Marriott Center. Like, the, it was the Jazz Lakers Marriott Center. I was, I, I might have been six. I don't remember the game. I remember sitting in the stands, but I do remember after the game, and this was at the very end, like Kareem, Michael Cooper, James Worthy, they just, like, like I got up close to them and they just blew by me. Like they, you know, they were getting on the bus. They didn't have time for fans. And I mean, they were being swarmed. AC Green, Michael Cooper, Byron Scott, get on. But people are waiting around for some reason. Like they're just hanging out, waiting, waiting. And then out, and I and I can picture it when I think about like a guy in purple sweats comes out with a Laker hoodie, and he's just la like his grin. Just I just remember that from from that early of an age, and like he's happy that he just played basketball. I could even feel like his energy or like his presence at that young. It's like he he glowed and radiated like energy and like and he was smiling. He was high five. I high fived him. He was signing autographs. And I finally got up and kind of like put my arm and I was trying to get his autograph and they, all the guys on the bus were yelling at him like, come on, Buck, get on the bus. We got to go. And he he was like profusely apologizing to all the kids and the family. Like, my team's leaving me. I got to go. Like, but he would have stayed. He got on the bus. And from that time on, like he was my like he was my guy until he retired. I was so young. I, I remember bits and pieces, but I remember watching the finals with my dad. You know, there was Michael Jordan, but like magic was my guy. And then I met him later on, right before my freshman year of college started. I, I had the chance to meet him and it was incredible. But I mean, I love in, in Utah, you like Steve Young. Steve Young was awesome. Um, but in terms of basketball, it was always magic. Eventually, Kobe came. Um, Love John Stockton. I okay. I I, I hate the jazz. I'm, I'm not a jazz guy. <laughs> you're you're from Utah. Do you hate the jazz? I can't. No, make I, it I'm. I, no, I was raised right. Like I love the <laughs> Lakers. I'm Lakers till I die. Like my dad's favorite player is Kareem. Like he thinks Kareem's the greatest player of all time. You're not swaying my dad. Magic and Kobe are like my daughter's obviously named Zobie. Uh, if it, if it was a boy, it was going to be Kobe. Um, girl, my wife liked unique names and we went with Zenobia. And then I was like, well, she was like, she was thinking about Zenobia. I'm like, unique, unique. Zobie, Zobie, there we go. Like, <laughs> and so that, that's why I went with that one. Um, Kevin Garnett, I like LeBron now. Shaq, but you know, Shaq's like, he's just so big. Like there's no one like, <laughs> there, there's no, there's no modeling your game. There's no, when you're just, when you can just throw four dudes around and put them through the basket. Like, like I liked him. I like guys who, who were competitive and who wanted to win. Even as a little kid, my dad and I would talk about like, what would like the coal miner team, like who would, who would go play and compete and try and be the best. Like if they work in a coal mine all day. It wasn't for money. Like you come up, you worked in the coal mines all day. Who's coming to this pickup game to win? Right. Those are the guys I like.
Yeah. And with those being your idols and with you being competitive yourself, I'm curious what the high school scene was like for you. I mean, did you go up against any familiar names from your area or who's the top dog from your area? Would you say? Very good question. Um, I was cut as a junior in high school. And that was the first point where I was kind of like, I was scared. I remember being cut and I went to the, walked up to my car drove to the church parking lot and I was just sobbing just you know for for a while for a minute there I was like it's over like at six years old it was like I'm playing college and I'm playing pro and and there were and there weren't I mean there's there, there wasn't anyone like famous from where I was from so Travis Hansen but he's he's four or five years ahead of me right maybe a little more and we we trained at the same places. He was getting ready for the draft when I was in college, my fresh freshman year. We had the same trainer, so kind of met him that way. But back to the thing, it was I just I, I just thought about that this morning. I was just thinking, kind of reliving that. I just I was just sobbing in the car, like you know, you've invested all this time. You you played as a freshman, as a sophomore. How are you going to do this? when you're cut as a junior and right and right then and there I decided I'm I'm still going to do it like I'll just figure out a way like it'll just happen somehow I don't know how but it's like I reconfirmed that decision and so the next day after an embarrassing day at school uh, you know I felt embarrassed like oh I got cut I just I just I made a plan I was going to make a list of every college like in any state touching Utah and just find every college. So that was goal number one. I went home the next day, got on the internet, started making a list. And then, and you know, and then I decided, so in Utah, I don't know how it is in other places. So in your last class of the day, you can take basketball class or whatever sport you're playing. So you can lift weights, you can train. The team usually practices during that. And it counts as like a PE credit. So, so during that time, I just worked out. I lifted weights, I ran, and then I would go in the other gym and practice. And I made sure I stayed in there in the auxiliary gym as long as the team was practicing. Because all my friends were, were in this gym and I wasn't going to let them get ahead. So that was the plan. And that's what I did. Um, I went to every summer workout. I went to every weightlifting session. I went to every conditioning. Heck, I went to the football conditioning. I went to, it, it was crazy just thinking about. And then, and I remember writing it on paper. And that's, that's, that's one of my messages to the younger kids is write your goals on paper. One, you better really want it. Like, cause it takes an insane amount of work, especially if you're, playing catch up. Like if you get cut, because if 1% of basketball players go on to play college, I don't know what the stats are on, you know, the percentages on those who are cut, but not, not high, I'm going to say. Right. And so, but then, but then things started to happen, you know, the rest of my junior year, I thought about transferring to my grandparents in Idaho playing for their team. And I never told my parents that, but I, I would think about it like every night and it was probably time for the decision. And I'm like, you know, I'll, it's my senior year. 
I'm just going to stay the course. I'm going to keep working out every day. I'm going to, you know, do everything. I'm going to show up to tryouts. Like I think fig- I figured, you know, it's going to be a process uh, to, tr- to transform. I also happen to grow taller um, be- between then and through my mission. I, I grew a couple inches. Like in the summers, I would sneak into the school. I would shoot in the gym. Like, like that's what I did. Like, and I just lifted weights because I wasn't going to stop until I got there. And so the quick thing on how did you go on to the all-star team to Australia? So that's the thing. Some, there's something about writing down your goals and being and while you're working toward them, you, you then become very aware of opportunities because you need, you want those opportunities. You need those to make something happen. Well, for some reason, the Utah all-star team coach couldn't fill the roster. And my best friend got invited uh, who played on the high school team and was like all region. And, and then there were a lot of kids on that team who were all state from, from some smaller schools. And I, and I got up the courage to be like, I'm going to call, I'm going to call him. Like he, there was an ad in the newspaper saying, if anyone, if there's any high school seniors interested in going, I'm like, I'm going to call them. Like, like this is my chance. Yeah. Because I had heard my friend talking about it and I, I knew, you know, they were going there for like a month, month and a half. They're going to play all these, the top under 19 teams in Melbourne and some pro team, some lower level pro teams. I'm like, I got to go. And somehow I convinced, <laughs> I convinced coach Steinke, like, like he was the, he gave me my first break and I love that guy to death because of what he, he took a risk. But then I went and then I was the third leading scorer. I was near the top in rebounding. And I was like, I'm six, two now. Like I just barely graduated six, two, six, three. I'm like, I just went on this tour. We played against pro teams. We played against these top under 19 teams. And I averaged double figures in scoring. I you know, I was rebounding, like I was, I was playing good and you better believe I collected, I got every game on film. I got every, everything I could collect, every stat sheet. I still have them in a box somewhere. And then I had something to send to coaches and, you know, it was just like Utah all-star team, all these all state guys. And they never, so they never asked. I just, I went to Tipinogas high school. Here's my video started sending it out never asked if I, you know, they never asked if I played high school, everyone just assumed. And then I started getting people interested. And so I, I was thinking about snow college and there was one in Colorado in that division with Salt Lake community college. And, and so I I was kind of like, okay, I can do this. So after my mission, the plan was I was going to come back and start out at at a small school and just go from there. Yeah. And you started off at Utah Valley, is that correct? Uh, that is correct. So I, I went on a mission, um, and, and that brings up another challenging point. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm LDS Mormon. Um, I, I got called to Spain, uh, the Bilbao mission, and it, it was a special thing. My dad had served, you know, way back when, and uh, in, in Madrid. Um, so I entered the MTC, which is, they train missionaries. So everything was kind of set. Like I had some academic scholarships. People were interested in me to come play for them. 
so I go, I, I go on the mission. I go to the training center. I go out to Madrid for more training. Then I go out. Um, worked out every morning, 5.30. But after some time, I mean, Spain is very Catholic and not a lot of people want to talk about anything, period. And we were, it's, it was so hot there. I just remember how hot it was in the, in the summer. And we would, we walked for 12 hours a day. And I, I noticed I, I wasn't feeling good. Like I just knew something was off, like something was wrong. And my companions would say, you need to eat more or like you're starting to get skinny. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm, I'm like, I'm always skinny. Like, so we, we just, I just kept going and going. Um, and then eventually they're like, I, I, I could barely get out of bed. And they're like, you need to go to the doctor. Like the area, the, the man in charge of that area said, you're going to the doctor. So I, so I went there and my Spanish wasn't very good yet. And he was like, all I remember is like, you know, your, your heart's beating 40 times a minute and, and, and you weigh 147 pounds. And I remember I was 176 when I left. So, so in a few months I had started deteriorating pretty, pretty quick. Um, and the, the president of the mission started asking, like, you, you might need to go home. Like, this is, I might, I said, I would rather die than go home just because I'm competitive. I'm, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to not, I signed up for two years. I'm doing this. I was blessed enough that someone was smart enough to not listen to me. Um, they sent me home. Uh, I got to it was a long plane ride by myself from from Madrid back to to Utah, and my 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 mom and dad told me when they saw me get off that plane, you know just how sick and tiny and small I was. They they said they they had conversations about if I would ever live a normal life or like what did the future hold. Like they weren't that really worried about basketball, um, right? But I was like the thing during that whole period that was like, was what if I don't reach my goal? It was like, you could just give, it felt like you could just give up and roll over. But it's like, it's like, it's hard to explain. It's like this driving force or compelling force. Like you committed, you decided, you put in all that time, you went to Australia, you're this close. You got you got to fight to to get there. Like you have to keep going because you you could die. But what was worse was you might not get what you want. Yeah. That was far more terrifying to me than than dying because I had invested so much, and and because of that, my love and desire for what I wanted was tremendous. Like it was. So, I, you know, I got to the doctors and in the States and started to get better. I remember I was pounding Cinnabons for breakfast and ice cream and they were just trying to get weight on me. And 
And then I, I, I got confident again, like it came back and, and the summer before. So, so, I, so I had decided I was going, going, going to go to SVU, Southern Virginia after. So I finished my mission. The plan was I was going to go there. They, they came out, they recruited me, they had seen my video. The coach at the time had coached me as a freshman, sophomore at a bunch of camps and I was the MVP. So we just kind of, he saw my tape and he's like, do you want to come play here? Like, we'll pay for your school. And I'm like, oh, of course. Well, then in the summer, I met guys like Ronnie Price, Ryan Toulson. They were, we were working out at, at, at the same gyms. Then they started inviting me over to the school to play. And then I started to get to know all the guys on the team and I liked them and I was, I was doing good. And I was like, no, like, you should try out. I'm like, you can try out. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I was kind of thinking they're like, no, just, just come go talk to coach Hunsaker. Um, so I talked to coach Hunsaker, coach Condi tried out, um, got on the team and, and that changed my life. Like, to play for to play for someone of of their caliber, I, I say it's they because Coach Hunsaker was the scary bad cop guy. Uh, <laughs> Co- Coach Condi was the guy that came in and and like smooth things over, keep people happy. Don't quit. Don't leave. Don't uh, stay here. Uh, but again, then my confidence grew like it exploded because I was playing against a guy who was third in the nation in scoring. He and Ryan Toulson scored 64 points uh, the next year in the game. But, like, like, I got so much better just playing against those guys and learning from Coach Hunsaker and Condi. And their level of detail was incredible. And, like, all they cared about was winning. And it was like my dream came true because, it's like, they didn't talk as much about school. They didn't talk about as much, like, we were flying all over the country. We – I remember the second semester we missed 22 out of 44 days of school because uh, it was our first year as division one. And so we, we were always on the road for, for the most part. And I was spoiled rotten just because I just got to play against NBA type players. Ryan, I think Ryan, Ryan just finished playing overseas for double digit years. Um, yeah, and obviously Ronnie Price had a successful NBA career too. And it's oh, it's yeah. it's funny that you're talking about these guys because you and I have a little something in common. I mean, I went to Utah Valley for half a semester, and those are some of the guys that made me transfer just because I saw who was ahead of me. I said, I'm I'm not gonna see the floor. And like they were so good, I'm like, I might not be in the right division. So I went and transferred to a smaller school. But I got to ask, do you have a good Ronnie Price story that you can share? Because I always enjoyed um, watching him play a lot. Yes. So the first thing is he is an incredible person. Like, he is so kind. Like, he's not your typical NBA guy or what you would imagine in terms of, like, so kind, humble, down-to-earth, polite, well-spoken, just awesome. Um. Do you remember that dunk on Carlos Boozer, his rookie year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So that happened a lot in practice. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm, I'm not Carlos Boozer size, but – and he loves to dunk with his left hand. Like, I saw that all the time. Like, he was someone who could shoot, shoot the lights out. 
and he he wasn't he didn't seem that tall but man he could he could fly and and he there's just so many times like coming down on the break like out of nowhere just explode and just left hand tomahawk (laughs) on anyone everyone no one windmill um yeah and you don't expect it either because i remember I, I remember, like, I'm sure that you know the Gold's Gym over there at Orem. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's most of my summers were, were just pick up all day at that gym. Yeah, I was playing pick up there one day. And this is right after Ronnie had graduated and uh, Ronnie Price is in the gym. And um, this this poor, he, you know, he's just he's just messing around. He's, he's not going hard. He's just out there. And uh, this poor kid comes in in the middle of our game and he calls next. And uh, that next game. He hit a couple jumpers. He's feeling good, and he he started talking at Ronnie Price, and uh, I don't think he realized who it was. And Ronnie Price just kind of smiled, and is probably the next possession. He took off about a step in front of that free throw line and just banged it so hard on this poor kid's head. And you know, he didn't say anything. He just kind of stuck his hand out and said, "Ronnie Price, nice to meet you." And the kid just instantly shut up. It was like one of the greatest moments I had ever been a part of. <laughs> so yeah, I just, that, I, I just had to those, ask that. No, that's awesome. No, and that's that's like him. He's quiet, humble. But if you start talking to him, he'll do something like that and just like tap you on the butt or say something, <laughs> right? I love that. That's such a great. It's just it's just kind of like knowing, like, yeah, I can play. Here you go. And, you know, just and just showing with actions, not words. You know, one of the things I want to ask you that I'm always curious about when we talk to basketball players, when you play your last college game, like what was the next step for you? Like, did you know you wanted to continue playing? What was going through your heads? I always like asking this for the younger listeners that are, you know, playing in high school and, and maybe trying to take that transition to college or some of our, our, our listeners that are college players and trying to decide, OK, what's going to happen next? I always think it's cool for them to hear the inside of people that have done it. You know what I mean? So, so what were you right. thinking during that last, like last college game or two, or right when you knew, okay, college is over, what's going on next? Good question. So let me hurry and kind of tie, tie something back in. So at the beginning, when I was scared to talk to coach Hunziker, I, I wrote him a little letter and I told him like, well, X, Y, Z, like, this is what I want. I want to play college. I want to play pro. So after the first year he came, he brought, we had, you know, we had a player coach meeting and he was like, you know, kind of like Zach said, you know, he's like, Ronnie's got two more years. He's like, you want to play, you need to go someplace where you can play. And so, and I, and I was like, no, I'm getting good playing against Ronnie every day. Like, like, like I saw the value in that, like learning from someone who played for a hall of fame coach, someone who won 80% of their D one games, like, I was just loving competing against Ronnie and Ryan every day and just learning. Um, and he's like, I'm, I'm not going to take you back. He's like, you, he, he knew what I wanted. And, and he, you know, it was kind of the tough love thing again. He's like, you, you got to leave. So I, I went back, I, I call up SVU and you know, I say, I got my, my basketball education at, at UVU and my, my degree at, at SVU. And it was so hard because they're big into school there. And, and I love school. Um, I got my master, I've gotten my master's degree while I've been playing, uh, you know, keeps you out of trouble, make a little progress, but for someone who wanted to play pro, 
to go from people who are that serious, that focused on winning to where academics was the number one priority. That was hard for me because school had always been easy for, for me. And I, you know, I could get scholarships like and school wasn't what I was worried about at the time. It was like, I want to do this. So, so again, I graduated, and, but, but I knew, but it was a far different path than I thought. So I, I, uh, I was looking for agents after my last game, um, you know, sending, sending clips, sending, you know, highlights, tapes from college, um, and then I, I, I knew I was going to have to go to a pro camp out in Vegas. So my advice to you is to young listeners is one, I think, you know, you want to, you want to go pro or attempt to go pro. Like, I think you already know inside, because if you're already thinking about it and you're already putting in the work for it, whether you're in high school, going to college or whether you're, in college wanting to go to the next level, your actions will tell you how much you really believe, right? So like, if I, if I want something, like I can say, oh, I want to do this, I want this, or I want a million dollars, or I want this, this, but like, what habits do you have? Like, what, what's your routine? How hard do you work? So if you're working really hard, but you're like, can I do it? Can I do it? it's probably worth trying because you're working, you're already working toward it. You're just, you're just, you just need the boost of confidence to keep going. Right. If you say, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. But you ease up on the gas, you stop working hard. Then you probably really don't want that. You probably want something else. And that's, that's, that's the message I tell younger kids or even guys that I play with is like, do you want to be a pro basketball player? And Coach Hunsaker will say, a pro is a pro, and a pro is a pro long before he is a pro. Just by the way he carries himself, the way he conducts himself, you know, the, the attention he puts into his game, how hard he works. And that's the most profound statement that I think about that he said. And it's, it's true. And so it's like, do you want – to be a pro basketball player because you want to play pro basketball or do you want the money? Do you want the girls? Do you want everything that comes with it? Cause those are two very different things. And some people think they want the basketball part when it's really, they want everything else that comes with that. Right. And that's how they separate is if you want, if you want the basketball thing, everything else will come. But if you want all the, all the things that come from being a basketball player, the basketball player part's probably not going to last long. Yeah. And I mean, like if that's because you'll just gravitate toward what you really want. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's just what, what you want. Yeah. And I mean, that's such good insight, especially for our younger players coming up who might not see it that way just yet. And I mean, listening to this, they might have a totally different view on what it takes to actually be a pro now. And it looks like, I mean, it looks like you, your actions did speak for it because you went to, you know, like you said, Las Vegas to showcase your skills. And I guess that's my question. How did the opportunity to go overseas really present itself? I mean, did you really have to put yourself out there at these camps? I mean, were you reaching out to teams or were there teams that 
you know, maybe saw you at the showcase and reached out to you? I mean, for our listeners, how does that really work? Is it more of you reaching out to them or more of them reaching out to you? Uh, both. I would say both. Um, so for me, I went to this camp. I, I wasn't I wasn't ready after that long of a break in terms of there were guys at this camp from Xavier, Marquette, Michigan, and they were just ridiculously athletic. And and like I was doing good because like I'm smart, I can shoot, I can pass, but I don't I don't jump 40 inches. Like right. that that's not me. Like that, I've never jumped like or I've never been the fastest. I've always had to be like, you gotta be, you gotta be really fundamentally sound. You have to be able to shoot. You have to be able to pass. You have to be a leader. So, so my advice to those to younger kids is it depends on your situation. If you're coming from a bigger school for, from an agent's perspective, it's, it's easier to make money off someone who's been to a bigger school. So you probably don't have to work as hard because they'll probably come more to you. If you're from a, you know, NBA, you know, they can, they have the, you know, they have to, the agents are fighting to make money off the player and represent the player. Whereas if you're coming from a smaller school, it is possible. You can do it, but you have to, again, you have to be a little bit more proactive in doing things and in finding camps and you got to find the right ones because a lot of them, they just want to take your money. Um, You got to find the right agent. I've learned through good and bad ones. The best ones only get paid if you get paid. Thank you for asking that question because yeah, it's just, it's just more work. Like the farther up you go, the fun, the funner it is for me or it has been because the stakes are higher. It's more competitive to me. That means more fun, but, but you know, then that, then that's your job. And, and I got a little discouraged at that, at that camp just because I, I shot terrible. I was out, I was out of shape compared to compared to guys from those big D1 schools. But but one of the coaches there, Coach, Coach Terrell, who is actually the commissioner of one of the leagues I'm playing in now, um, who has also coached Stefan Marbury in China. He's coached. I think he's coached at G League. He's coached top leagues in Europe. He, he, he gave me that, that little word, those little words of encouragement that I belonged and that, you know, he told me some other things, you know, he gave me great advice. He's like, you just got to get in the best shape. Like you humanly can yeah, just to make up athleticism wise. And I listened to him. And, and so I, I love and respect him for that. And I always tell him, thank you for what he, what he said, like, because I wouldn't have given up. I was just, it, you know, it was discouraging to come out and be like, ah, oh, like I thought I did okay, but I was in terrible shape. And like these guys were high flyers. Like I knew I could shoot, I could shoot better than them or better, but like it was it was hard to keep up with them at first. So again, you just you just go go back to work, practice, try to find guys at the U to play against, like guys who were home, like Andre Miller from the summer at camps anywhere like anywhere that there were guys from the nba wherever like i'm driving there to play and pick up games yeah to just if there's all americans at the uau i'm going there because i gotta chase fast athletic guys 
Yeah, and I mean, Maybe. playing playing closer to the floor, that game ages a lot better than playing above the rim from what I've yeah. learned. <laughs> yes, I, I've told my dad, the great thing is I've always had an old man's game. Like, <laughs> and that, I also love Luka Doncic for that, too, because it's like he can, he can play forever. And I love LeBron, too, because he – okay, he's a freak athletically. He's incredible. Well, right. like, I was, was going to say, he doesn't play close to the floor, Chris. <laughs> right, right. He, but, but my point being is, as that declines because of how smart he is and how right. how much he's added to his game, you know, it's kind of like it'll just mm, go like that. Yeah. So, no, no, he, he does not have an old man's game. But, <laughs> but, but when he gets there, he's prepared himself. And, like, Kobe, that's what I loved about Kobe, like, I loved his obsession. I loved like, like early on. I remember when he shot those four air balls, and I, and I, I was kind of like looking for a favorite player. Like I just remember like, like I like Shaq, but Shaq he's like a, he's a different dude. Like there's there's no one in the world like him. Right. But I, I just I remember reading stories about, oh he works out a lot. He airballed four shots. Everyone everyone doubted him. He went home that night. When they got home, he, he locked himself in the gym and just went to work. I'm like, I like that guy. Like, that is the guy I like. Yeah. And so that, like, that's how I I just love, like, the main thing to him was basketball. And then we found out later his family. But while he was playing, it's like basketball was a thing that mattered, that he put the time in. And everything else was, was second. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely your personality from everything that we've learned so far. And by the way, your game's going to translate wonderfully in about 10 years. So, I mean, you're going to be playing TBT for a long time, it sounds like, since you got the old man game. But I got to ask, because we were just talking about overseas a little bit, and I got to ask everybody that we have on the show, they have a crazy story from playing overseas, whether it's in the game or from the fans or living in in a different country. So I got to ask, you played in both Australia and Mexico. I know you have a crazy story that you can share for our listeners. What's a, what's that craziest one that comes to mind? Okay, so Australia was pretty a lot like the United States. There, I mean, there wasn't too much different. There, I'd probably have to think a little bit harder. Mexico, that, that's off. Oh, we got a lot of stories from there. Um, <laughs> I, I thought you might share one from Mexico. That's what yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> okay, so the first thing I remember is okay, we're they're taking us to the ho- to a hotel stay and i okay there's no seat belts in the car and we're going like a hunt it it feels like we're going 100 miles an hour and there are like no trap i don't know if there's traffic laws like i still don't know like they have signs it's it's like optional at best and and i'm i remember being like tossed around and i'm like like you have to brace yourself like this because the the taxi drivers are guy the team sends to pick you up like you just got to be crazy to to want to drive there okay so then then we get there and they're like you know when, when you first get here don't venture too far out from the hotel I'm like, okay, well why and they're like you know they may they may just take you <laughs> like, like, like who's like who's gonna take who's gonna take me and like drug cartel or I, I don't know gangs I, I'm like oh, okay I'm going to stay a little bit closer to the hotel for, for now um, 
I remember going to our first game. We get back in the car. Everyone, Everyone's bracing for the toss around, a little bit more used to it. Then, you know, then you see tanks coming down the streets and they have machine guns. And you're like, this really is a different world. Like, I mean, and there's, there's tanks coming down the street. There's soldiers with machine guns. The driver tells us as we're going over this underhang, there's some nooses up there. I'm like, okay. And he's like, yeah, they, someone messed with the drug cartel. So they hung three people from the, I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is not, this is not Orem, Utah. This is not Utah. This is not Utah County where, where I, I had a teammate that went, he, they, four houses are legal there. I remember we had a teammate. Uh, he did not play well the next game. I, <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I And I haven't heard from him since. I don't know if he may have died, passed away, disease. Wow. I, I don't know. I, wow. It, it's, I, just, it's just a different – that place I, is – I want to ask Never this. a dull moment, I'll tell Never you that. Moment. We definitely hear a lot of stories about that. You know the one I was like asking question-wise is – What's the biggest adjustment on the court? Is it the style of play? Is it the language barrier? What What do you think was the biggest, like when you're there playing, it's like, do you have to adjust your game a lot to, to play, you know, that overseas type style? Or is it like the language where you're, I mean, I mean, basketball is basically a universal language, but, you know, it also helps when you can communicate too. So what would you, what would you tell our listeners the biggest adjustment was? Yes. So again, it's so so. Obviously, I I knew some Spanish, so I, I was okay that way. Which which is a, a unique advantage compared to right language barrier is wherever you go in the world is always going to be an issue. But I mean, with enough pointing and and these days, you know, one of the coaches usually knows English, so. It's not as bad probably as it used to be once upon a time. Again, it's it's the speed, the speed of the game, the athleticism, the just everyone's just gets better. Like the farther up you go, everyone's everyone's good, like to some degree, because they're there for a reason. Um either they're six eleven, seven feet tall, and they're they can protect the rim and catch a lob. Guys can shoot or guys are smart and they just, they just make, they make good decisions, high IQ decisions. Um, so again, you just adjust to the speed of the game, but once you went and yes, yeah, style of play changes, once you adjust to that, but there is a learning curve. I, I, I would say. Yeah. I always feel like, <laughs> game is more fundamental you know what yes. i mean it always seems like when the european players come over to play in the states they just seem like they're more fundamentally sound in terms of overall like you talked about earlier in our interview where you're doing all the other things because you don't have the 40 you know inch right. leap you know, you're doing the passing diving on the floor for the loose balls 
you know, finding where you're going to put the ball in the right place to, to, to make more opportunities happen. So that's, that's what I was, I was wondering, you know, in terms of sharing, we were going to talk about. Um, yes. Oh, sorry. I was just going to add. Yes. Yeah. And yes, all of that, all of that is true. Like to a T I would add, like, if, if you're a younger player, if you can learn how to listen to your coach and follow directions and pick up plays very quickly, like you can learn a play quickly, that will help you tremendously. Like, especially if there is a language barrier or when you move up, the level of patience and waiting goes down because everyone's there for a job. And so, and you're right oversee outside of the United States. It's like practice twice a day. Like the emphasis is on practice more than let's just play a game where we're the AAU culture more so now, like it's play, play, play uh, there. They want to practice, practice, practice. I always love uh, where they talk about like, like they'll like one guy will know what everybody's supposed to do on the floor on offense. And right. I was like, those stories where you know, like, okay, he knows this guy's going to make this cut. He knows this guy's going to be in this place. So he's almost like a quarterback anticipating, you know, like a quarterback will throw a pass before the wide receiver even makes the cut. And he knows exactly where the ball is supposed to be placed to be successful. And I always love hearing those stories about that. I wanted to talk to you about, um, we've had Chris Thomas on the GM of the primetime players, and he shared some incredible minor league stories with us. Um, what was your experience like playing in the minor leagues? And do you have a, a story you can share from that type of ball? Sure. Yeah. So again, so this was, this, this brought me back to the beginning about people from, from different worlds. So I was playing for a team in uh, Texas and one of my teammates who is one of my two best friends from that team. Like I talked to him yesterday. And I won't, I won't say his, his name, but like, like, you know, he was from, you know, the murder capital, the U S and here's me from Utah County. And we were, we were hanging out after practice. Cause we, we just like to hang out in the gym. I remember we were going to Chick-fil-A and, you know, he just took off his hoodie and stuff, left it in, like to do anything. We came back, I dropped him off at his apartment. Uh, and I was driving, I was driving back to my, to my place. And I looked down and it was like something like a shiny handle poking out. I'm like, okay. So I picked, I picked it up. It, and it was a Glock. Uh, it was, it was either a nine millimeter or Glock. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, so this was, this was at the very beginning. And I'm like, not having been in that position before, I was like, oh, my hand, my handprints are on this. I'm like, is this thing registered? Like, and, and this was at the beginning of when I first met him. So I was like, why would he leave a, like, why? Number one, how do you forget that? It, it, you know, and so I was just, I was just in awe because I was like, no, that is real too. Like just growing up in different worlds and feeling like, and maybe you need to, to have one of those. And I remember calling him up. I was like, uh, did you leave your gun in my car? He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, can I bring it to you right now? He's like, oh yeah, don't worry. It's uh, it's registered. Because uh, so, that was the first team that I, that I played on. Um, yeah. I, I, I was adjusting to the, I was adjusting to a few things culturally. And my, my, my wife, 
my wife now, my parents, they, they think that's the funniest story ever to be like, get, you know, cause I love hip hop. I love all, I love all that stuff. And, and to be like, you know, someone left their Glock in your car and you, <laughs> and I reached out, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what is this? Like, and I'm like, Oh yeah. So that's, I mean, there, there's a bunch. I mean, the minor leagues are in other countries. They just, you know, they have the top level and they have like a tiered system. And that's what I love about coach Terrell and the PBA. Is that what they're trying to do is try and line up with the NBA G league, have like triple a double A, you know, down, like, like everywhere in the world, like every other sport, like this is how we do. Um, and with his wealth of knowledge and experience, he's doing a great job, but yeah, I, I would just say the minor league thing, it, uh, it just depends on you can be in amazing situations where they treat you incredible. You can live in an amazing hotels, good places, or you can sleep on the floor. You can sleep on the coach's bunk bed and, you know, pretty much everything in between. So who gets top bunk, though, if you're in the coach's bunk bed, who gets the top? Oh, well, it's not the coach's bunk. He, <laughs> I, he, he kicked his kids out. I, I, I did get the top bunk. So, gotcha. Yeah. But that, <laughs> th- that first one was like quite – that one was like, are, are you sure you want to do this? Like, you know, like in, in like a small little bunk bed. But, but then you play and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll – Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the sacrifices you go through to be a pro, right? I mean <laughs> – it's yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. And I got to ask, how did you even get involved with TBT? Because we were talking to Mike Iliano, GM of Team 23, and he didn't even think it was real the first time you heard about it. So I'm curious what your initial reaction was to TBT and how you really got involved. Great question. So I met, I met Coach Tracy about 10 years ago one summer. He, he was running a pro-am up in Ogden, Utah. Damian Lillard apparently was on one of his teams. That was the year he was going into the draft and he needed a guard. I, I found him on the internet. He's like, yeah, come play on our team. So I, I was the guard on that team. Played, kept in contact. One year, I didn't even know we were signed up for TBT. He goes, make a video and just send it to me. Send it to him. Like, I honestly didn't know what it was either. Like, I had no clue. So then the next year, he's like, hey, we're doing this TBT thing. Look at their website. I looked at it and was like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Like when I knew what it was, I'm like, we're doing that. Yeah. So then I was all in, like, um, I was like $2 million. Okay, let's do it. At that point in time, that was when they just went by popular vote. So you went out and got votes. And so I, I contacted, I think, everyone in the world that I'd pretty much ever met. We, we had the second most votes in the, in the entire West Regional. Um, we got in. It, it was, I'll say this, there's nothing like TVT. Like, everywhere I've played, the different experiences, like, like there are pros from, it doesn't matter. And previous NBA experience, the highest levels all over the world. Everyone's a pro. They're there and they're playing for money and a cause. And like, it it is so intense. Like it's hard to, 
I, like I, we have a team thread that I was messaging in today because it was the captain. I'm like, there's just nothing like that. Like, because you either get nothing or you, you, you get that. And just on the guys about the first time was awesome. And I said, Marquise and I had good games and it, it was great, but we lost. And so like 45 minutes after the game, I was like, uh, we're not going to be back for play again together for like a year. Well, then we didn't get in the next year. Then COVID. So then it's like three years. We've been waiting three years to like get in. And so, sorry, I know you had more TBT questions, but yeah, that's kind of how it started was coach Tracy. I had played on his team. He's like, and I think we were the only two guys from Utah, you know, ever. I mean, he's a veteran from desert storm. So we play for, we're playing for wounded warriors for veterans and diabetes uh, awareness. He, he has diabetes and he's, he's lost so much weight since he's done incredible. I think he's lost like a hundred pounds or something. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a great spokes spokesman for that cause. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about Brian Tracy. He seems to have a great appreciation and love for you guys, too. So, I mean, tell us about Brian and what he means to the group as far as, you know, basketball. And I mean, maybe some of the things that you guys do outside of basketball to really keep that team chemistry going. So, so Coach Tracy is like a phenomenal human being. Like, so. And he would never tell you, like, he was an incredible football player. Um so, like I said, I've known him for like 10, 11 years. Last uh, two years ago, he showed me this. I asked him, I'm like, what's this thing? I know you love football. Like, football is your number one sport. He sends me this thing of like a, lo- a very long time ago. It's like the top 35 play- recruits. He was on a list of running backs with Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders. And then I remember Junior Seau and Derek Thomas. We're on that list. So four Hall of Famers. And he was like the third running back in this list of like recruits. But he had decided to go to into Desert Storm. And I think he's more proud of that. Like he'll tell you he served his country. He got he got hurt. Um, so he I think his attitude is like kind of like everyone else is like he's not scared of anything that may have cost him his shot, but so he at, at, at playing in the NFL. Right. But so he, he's turned this passion into, to coaching and, and helping our team. And like, he, it's like, he loves us to a fault, man. He will do anything, but, but that's why guys will play so hard for him. Like he, it's like, he would do anything for us. And, um, like I like I love like I really love him. Like he like he is a genuine, great human being. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it shows too. And I think you guys win the social media award for the best memes and videos. Oh, and yeah, I mean, he's on top of it for sure. Yeah, he like he's getting out of control, but he's <laughs> he, he he is becoming popular for that. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Keith Kloss's name earlier. He's truly one of my favorite players of all time. I got nothing for respect for him. I mean, he's really ahead of his time when he played. I mean, being a tall guy that could put the ball on the floor, shoot the jumper. I really don't feel I feel like people really don't realize how great he really was for his time. 
Um, and it's amazing. He's still playing at a high level, age 45. So what can he offer to you guys at age 45? And what do you think that he brings to the team? Um, Keith, Keith is another amazing human being. Um, and you're right, way ahead of his time. Um, he's told me a few stories about, you know, on the Clippers, Kareem was like his individual coach. So, and, and I think you're right. He, he likes, I mean, he can handle the ball. He's seven, three. If you look at his social media, it's like the world's greatest shot blocker. So I'd say that number one as a captain last time at six, four, like, and the next Marquise is six, six. I don't know that we had anyone taller than that. And so um, having someone, we have size this year, like, Keith, Keith, Keith is like one of the longest people I've ever seen, just like with how skinny and like long he is. And uh, athletic back in his day, very athletic. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, and, and I, I would say he's pretty he, – for not even for, for, for 45. I mean, obviously he's not on the Clippers anymore, but he can still move. Yeah. And, and his, his handle looks good. Like just – um. But he's another one of those people that have a remarkable story that's seen everything. Like, I know this team is is like the basketball is the easy part. Like, what? Like, just, there's no one we're gonna play that's like, like it's just competing. Like, who cares? Like, I remember that first that first time we played. There, were, we had a lot of young guys. Like, this was their first time, and we just. It was like we wet the bed. Like it was, it was so hard. And then we were, we were playing catch up the whole game. And we, we I mean, we we're fighting back, but it, it was hard. And so this year, that's why we have focused on, okay, let's have people who have played a lot, who are experienced. Let's have a good mix of a lot of size, a lot of athleticism. I know um, Jordan Jackson's on our team. He's Cheryl Swoops' son. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, now, if you want someone who can jump out of the gym, yeah, and he can jump. Very yes, explosive. he can fly. Um, there you go. I mean, we we have all kinds of guys, and so like I'm one of those guys. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't go to this tournament if I didn't think we could win. Like, may, yeah, maybe the first time because you want to experience. You want like once you get a taste of it and see what it is, it's like we got to get the best team that we can find and try and win. Yeah. And it seems like we have a lot of guys who've been there before experience. We, you know, just that good, that good mix. Coach Tracy's done a great job. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and Jai is honestly a very low key, amazing addition too. I mean, being seven foot six two alters a lot of shots, really liked him at Irvine, but I mean, you seem confident with the squad that you have this year. And, you know, you got the Twin Towers, like you said. But what do you feel really separates you from other teams this year? Like, what's the key to your success this year? I mean, obviously, you got the size. And like you said, you have a little bit of everything. But what do you think is that one thing that really stands out to you where you're like, we have the advantage over other teams this year? You know, and th this may sound weird or dumb, but, you know, especially at this level, because because every, everyone wants to be there. But it's like. We, we have guys from Keith at 45. I don't know who the youngest guy is off the top of my head on our team. Like Marquise, like just 
you know, not, I don't want to tell his story because you'll, you'll talk to him or have talked to him. But like everyone has a little chip on their shoulder, like, and I'm sure every player in this tournament has a story because they're a pro and, and they, they've had to go through. And that's the thing. You don't, everyone goes through something if they're, they want to be successful in life, anything. It doesn't matter what it is. But it seems, as like Coach Tracy say, we got a lot of blue-collar guys that still feel like they have something they want to prove or, like, compete um, to, to win. Like to, And that's the thing is, like, there's competing and then there's winning. And, and those are two diff, totally different things I've learned. And to one to, to put yourself out there on that stage take takes a lot um but to try and win it like that's i mean i would i mean every team wants to but again it's like do your actions match what you're saying or what you're trying to do and that, and that's that's my goal is i i just there's there's three things i want to do before i'm done i want to play in tbt again my uh, my son, so my daughter remembers me playing, and then she's she's seen me play since then. But my son just turned three, and he's a little boy, and he doesn't remember anything yet. But he's he's barely turned three, and I, I want him to 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 see me play. Um, and then the the last thing I've never told anyone that that's between my maker and I. So once I do those three things, I'll be good. Nice. Hey, talk to us about training and coaching. How, how like rewarding is it to pass down what you've learned over the years? So, so that's awesome. I, so I, I do this, it's called three point coaching and it's uh, pride, pride, passion, and persistence. And I, number one, obviously coach basketball players and athletes. I've actually worked with, uh, he was a boxer during COVID. He's, he's, transitioned into jujitsu and and wants to do mma um and eventually you know i want to coach like just do human performance like coaching people and and i picked three-point coaching well we started out with the basketball because that's where it starts but and i i shoot threes like that's kind of my that's kind of my thing um but but the pride passion and persistence carries across no matter what you're trying to do, you, you got to have those three things if you want to be successful. At, at least from my experience is if you have the, you know, the pride in the job well done, if you have the persistence um, and the desire to keep going to get what, if you really want what you say you want, then, then you'll get it if you're willing to do what it takes. And then the passion, you, you better love what you do. And that goes across business. That goes, you know, anything in life, if you want to be successful. And so I've, I've loved, I love training kids and, and college players and who, whoever wants to, whoever I can work with is like, I feel like I have a wealth of knowledge or, and experiences to be like, you, you can do this. Like, I, like I, I, I see it in you and I know you don't recognize it yet, 
that if I can instill a little confidence in you, like I've seen, I've seen kids make tremendous strides. Kids go from, uh, there's a girl I worked with, you know, she, she was on a state championship team, but she never got to play. She just finished at one of the top junior colleges. She got a scholarship again. Um, she just graduated from one of the top JCs in America. Wants looking to go Division One on scholarship. Um, it's it's just awesome. Like it's just fun. Like like teaching kids. You know, looking back, just saying, man, if I had known this thing, if I had known this, if if I would have known, yeah, I want it bad but you got to calm down like just relax like and that's hard when you've put in so much time so much effort and you kind of get that performance anxiety type of thing like like that was my problem it was like in like I wanted it so bad like and I, I worked so hard like but then you get out there and it's like oh and you're worn out you're tired it's like you got to learn how to slow down change gears relax recover from mistakes quick so that you can stay in the game and, and play at a high level. And I love doing that with, with, with athletes. And then I want to do that with people. And, but I, I did get my master's degree in sports science for coaching and sports management. The initial plan was to coach in college, which, I'm open to that, but I, right now I really love working with like team teams and trying to teach them and then players or athletes on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I think that's great because when I played ball, you know, a lot of times coaches never taught me that. They never, right. taught, they never taught those things. They never taught, you know, different gears and never taught, you know, I know for me, it was like, if I made a mistake, it's like, shit, I'm going to the bench now. Exactly. You know I mean? And, and that's, it's like, you can't grow from that. You know what I mean? Like, you, right. And in today's there. culture with AAU, where it's like, get out there and play. And, and that's the wonderful thing is like, number one, I don't coach my kids. And I don't ever want to for the same reason I found out my dad would never coach me. Because that's not as real as having someone. That doesn't happen often. And so number two it's like, you're going to have to struggle and go through these things. But number three, it's like, I, I'm doing my thing. I've done my thing. I'll continue to do my thing. My job is to help you develop as a, as a, as a player and a person. Like if I see you're a good three, if you're a three point shooter and you miss, you better shoot the next one. I don't care if it's a bad shot, just shoot it because I don't want you to lose confidence. Like that's the thing. And like, that's the advantage I have in training, training athletes and players is like, I've done and I'm doing my own thing. I, and I want my kids to find out the thing that like brings them happiness or like lights their soul on fire of this is what I want to do. Yeah. My daughter and son will probably be big and tall, but, but like, I don't get to pick what they love to do. And so, and, and I see a lot of parents do that. Like, like you said, so then coaches, it's about them winning tournaments. It's about them winning this. It's about them so that the coach doesn't look bad. 
I don't like that's not my thing. My thing is let's make you a better player. Let's get rid of performance anxiety. Let's get you into shape. Let's what whatever you need. I can probably help you if you're willing to put in the time. It's and huge. that's another thing. Kids, we live in, you know, like that microwave society where and my daughter deals with that. Like her first game, she didn't do good. I'm like, it's the first game you ever played. Why would you be good? Like, why would you expect to be good? You know, and, and I know it's, you know, kindergarten, first grade basketball, but it's, I see that with the other the kids I've coached at, in high school, AAU and whatever. It's like, if you have one bad game or one, it's like, it's the end of the world. It's like, no. And you're, you're, you're catching up or you're just starting. Like it's going to take time. Be patient. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's great that you, that you bring those points up, especially for our younger listeners, because I know confidence and things like that, that translates to life lessons too. And it translates to your jobs and your relationships and all those other things. So it's an important thing to be taught. I know Zach's a coach and I know he's a great coach because he preaches a lot of the stuff that you just were talking about, which I think is awesome. We're going to do a quick lightning round with you, if you don't mind. It's just a one or two word answer to some questions Zach's going to ask. Zach, you ready to ask the questions? Fire, fire away. For sure. Uh, my first question to you is, who is your toughest cover as a player? Oh, well, I, Ronnie Price. <laughs> that, that makes sense, yeah. Just uh, still. <laughs> like, like, even across him. Yeah, yeah you got to get him on Utah Valor, man. But uh, who has had the biggest impact throughout your career? Uh, I would say my mom and dad, my wife, Coach Hunsaker, Coach Condi. Okay. Uh, Any different? Sorry, go ahead. Just each for different reasons, just my wife because she's my wife if we're just talking basketball coach Hunsaker Condi and coach coach Terrell after that first pro camp just the things he said to me I knew I could do it because of who he was yeah and the wife's important too because it's beyond basketball people who play basketball know that's really beyond basketball oh oh yes her yeah (laughs) I tried Um, to warn her before we got married, like I, that I was this serious. And I don't think she, I think she thought it would like go away once we got married or not be as bad. But Same she's with my wife. Yeah, she's been an incredible support. Like I don't, I probably don't even comprehend. Yeah. Our wives could probably start their own podcast and just talk about us and our obsession with basketball. So, <laughs> yes, that, that would be, that would not make us look good. I'll tell you that at least me, <laughs> uh, 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 I, I do not support the wife podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, me either. I'll, I'll edit that part out. Uh, <laughs> any weird superstitions that you or a teammate have had that come to mind? I love, uh, if I play good in a pair in in a certain pair of shoes, I'll stick with that pair until until it's time to switch. And I do have a lot of shoes just because I'm addicted <laughs> to shoes. Same uh, for our listeners. If you had to describe your game, what player do you think that you play like most in the NBA? Maybe oh, 
pick a white guy that shoots threes <laughs> and, and, and it can pass. I don't know. I, I, I would like to be a little more diverse. And, and I think that, that it, that it, that it could be a little different, but like, let's, Jeff Hornacek from back in the day. How about that? For, I like for, it. Our, for, for our younger viewers, let's go with, uh, I don't know a white guy that can shoot and pass these days. <laughs> no, Hornacek from your favorite Utah jazz. That, that, oh, that see, and that's <laughs> uh, Kyle Corver, but, but, but dribble and pass a, a little. Okay. Uh, if you had any word of advice to kids who have gone gone through maybe some of the same adversity that you went with the same goals that you have, what would that advice be? Trust your instincts. Like they will tell you exactly what to do. Meaning like just like just when we think in our head, sometimes we hear noise, but like if you go where it's really quiet and like and like you want to do this. And like you honestly believe in your heart, that's what you can and are supposed to do. Follow that voice. Uh, My final question to you is, what's your favorite basketball memory if you had to pick just one? Oh, that's tough. Um, uh, The first basket I made at UVU – I remember I, I, I drove and I, I made a layup and I, um, I, my, I turned and looked at my parents because I knew where they were in the stands. And then the girl I was dating who would be my wife were, were there. And then it was just kind of like a look like it was worth it or I'm here now and it, it'll be good. So I, I just remember that like, and I was a little bit in shock at first. Like, like I just drove and I was like, it, it was a little surreal moment. Just like time stopped for a second. I, I glanced over at him and I was like, it'll be okay. That's awesome. That's a great basketball memory. I really enjoyed talking to you today. You gave us so much great stuff. Um, I really feel like what you're doing and talking about, you know, helping you know, teams and kids and, you know, talking about listening to your inner self and things like that, I think are super important to this conversation. Um, really, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Zach, is there anything you want to add before we let Chris out of here? Yeah, I just want to say thanks, man. I really enjoyed talking to you today. I've enjoyed messaging you uh, back and forth, you know, getting this lined up. And I just really appreciate from coach to coach what you're doing with the kids. You preach a lot of the same things that I do. And I think that's really important to really preach things that are really beyond basketball and allow kids to make mistakes in order for them to become better players. So I really appreciate you for that. Appreciate your time and best of luck in TBT. I have a feeling that you guys are going to make some noise this year. So I'm really looking forward to watching you guys. Awesome. I I'm, again, I'm grateful to you both for having me on here. I'm, I'm now, I'm now a listener um, I was so impressed by that list and just thank you. And, and if anyone listening, if you can make a social media video or just a tweet, a, a post anywhere, just put hashtag Utah Valor TVT. That would really help us out. But again, I, I was very humbled to be on here and just to share a little bit and get to know you guys. I, I'm now a huge fan. So Again, thank you. I, I want to get to know both of you better. Just 
I like like you said, we kind of preach the same message and to kids. And I wanted I looked Eric up on Facebook. I got to ask him about music, and it, you know, I, I'll get to know you guys. Appreciate that. Super flattering, man. I mean, I teach guitar, so it's like I, I don't teach basketball, but I teach guitar, and it's kind of the same thing. I get a chance to really make a difference in people's lives and 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 really instill confidence and just kind of guide people on their journey. So it's 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 kind of the same thing, you know. Except I'm playing six strings instead of dribbling the ball, but you know, I I can shoot a three. Zach can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he can hit that corner three. He can there you go. <laughs> that's the best three because it's the closest steve novak i'm steve novak in morning. <laughs> okay i okay i know steve novak or i i've heard of steve <laughs> well hey Chris, have yourself a wonderful day man stay safe thanks for coming on the show we really appreciate you thank you guys i appreciate it you guys have a wonderful day you, you too. too take care take care wow what a, what a cool guy man i mean you know it's 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 interesting stories he told, you know, really funny guy too, you know, but like really brought home great points. And I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of lessons and things to be learned from him in terms of, of what he talked about today. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just, he was just a really pleasant guy to talk to. And, you know, it was really fun because we've been messaging for the last, you know, couple of weeks to month or so, and I've gotten a chance to get to know him a little bit. And we just have a lot in common, you know, both going to Utah Valley kind of having those same basketball dreams and now coaching. And um, I just really enjoyed talking to him today. And I know that uh, Utah Valerie is going to make some noise this year. Yeah, absolutely. I, he had so much to offer today. And, and I really liked a lot of the points he was talking about, especially about like listening to your gut and listening to your instincts and stuff like that. And I think that's huge, you know, and especially the talking about the mistakes and things, you know, and, and being able to learn from them instead of, like I said, you know, just going right to the bench when you mess up once. It's like, how do you play smooth? How do you play in that flow in that moment when you're worried about, oh, I missed that shot. Oh, I'm going to go to the bench now. I don't yeah. know how you grow that way. And especially like the younger, you know, and the other thing about not coaching his kids, I think that's a smart thing too. You know, we hear that a lot more about, you know, we interview people how their parents didn't really show them things. Right. You know, and I think, you know, like Patrick Ewing, Ewing Jr., you know, talking about, yeah, my dad didn't really show me too much stuff. And I think for the listeners to understand that is, is you know, there's a different line of that. I had a friend of mine growing up and he was an, a monster guitar player and his dad played. And I never even knew his dad played until I went over his house for the first time to jam I'm like, why doesn't your dad teach you? And he's like, he he just doesn't want to teach me. But like the older you get, you understand why. You know what right. I mean? It's really yeah. interesting. Um, speaking of very interesting things, thanks so much for everybody for checking us out. And uh, the numbers just keep going up and up and up, which is amazing. We're, I mean, beyond flat, just flattered and floored, to be honest with you. It's, I can't even talk because I'm so... Uh, blown away by how many people are listening and and the social media stuff and everything we're just we're happy so we don't like to you know go on about it if you if you share our stuff we appreciate you if you'd listen we appreciate you you know if you give us a review on 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 apple we appreciate you it's it, it just gets us more guests and and lets us do what we like to do which is basically you know talk to these guys and figure out their stories and and learn a lot of great stuff about basketball and life so we appreciate that zach is there anything you want to add before we get out of here yeah i just want to say thanks to our listeners i mean helping us chart in 17 different countries is unbelievable and having guests you know like chris and marquise has been awesome 
but I also want to give a shout out to uh, the Ball Year Round podcast. They've been really good to us, and they're you know putting out some really good basketball content and good stories. They just had uh, Jordan Rezendis on, who led the whole country in scoring at UMass Dartmouth. And uh, he had a pretty wild basketball journey as well. Uh, all the famous guys that came out of a small neighborhood with like six streets, I think. So, I mean, really cool story. Definitely worth a listen. So follow them on social social media. They're great dudes. Um, Andy Rokon and Mike Hayes, uh, really good podcast hosts. And they've been good to us. And, uh, you know, it's going to be really exciting to kind of connect with them. And, um, you know, def- definitely check them out if you can. Ball Year Round Podcast. You know, absolutely. I want to give a shout out to you. You said that even odds guys have been awesome to us. You know, they have us on their show. Their, their trivia is just amazing. It's super fun to play along with. Go check those guys out. And a shout out to Dia Miller also. Dia is doing a lot of really cool stuff. Um, she's getting to shoot a bunch of photography stuff for basketball, which is amazing. And she's really just blowing up right now. So she's a friend of the pod and we've had her on a couple of times and uh, she loves basketball in her blazer. So want to give a shout out to her too so um guys be safe out there be good to each other thanks for listening peace